Hello, I'm Gemma Davies, and I'm the Community Manager here at Future of SaaS. Welcome to SaaScast, the podcast that talks you through the steps you need to future-proof your product, whether that's building the ultimate SaaS marketing team or taking your products global. Our guests will help you grow, scale up, and work smarter. So today, we're joined by Ovi Negrean, co-founder and CEO at Socialbee. Socialbee is a marketing and advertising tool that helps you to get more leads from your social media. And Ovi's going to be talking about perfecting your product market fit today. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Gemma. I'm really happy to be here. Happy to have you. Um, so we get started straight away. Um, can you tell us about yourself and your role at Socialbee? Yeah, sure. So as you said, I'm the co-founder and CEO of Socialbee. Um, we started almost to the day five years ago. Uh, so we're going to be celebrating our fifth birthday uh, quite soon. Um, and I'm uh, usually in charge with the product, the vision, um, helping a bit with marketing, but less so uh, in the weeds nowadays, um, and really trying to think how we can keep improving uh, what we have for our customers and how we can both keep making our product better and actually our products better because we're working also on a suite of products, uh, but then also how can we get more and more customers to use our, our products. Perfect. Um, so obviously we're talking about product market fit today. So your specialty here. So it's often driven by metrics um, to find out sort of what your focus should be, how to tie your different departments into a, a common goal to make sure that your product is suitable for market. So how do you select your North Star metric? Yeah, well, in our case, because we're a SaaS, our ultimate one North Star metric is our MRR, the monthly recurring revenue, mm -hmm. which is uh, I think also a good proxy for product market fit uh, because um, if you if you don't have a good product market fit, it will be quite hard to get that MRR up either because people won't buy or because people will buy but then churn quite quickly. Mm. Um, so it's it's then really hard to get um, a, a good MRR and a good MRR growth without having that uh, product market fit. But more specifically also on the product market fit uh, question, I think there are like a couple of um, used um, ways to think about if you have or not product market fit. Uh, one is more uh, theoretical, let's say so, and one is more practical. Um, the one which is more theoretical um, and one that I like is that if you have to ask yourself if you have product market fit, you probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it usually means that um, you don't feel that it's easy and gets easier and easier for you to make a sale. And this is how I think about product market fit. How yeah. easy it is to, to make a sale. How is it compared to a few months ago or a few years ago as your product evolves or even as you, you change your market? Uh, because yeah. on the product market fit, a lot of people are focusing on the product. But actually, the first thing that you should do, especially if you have a clear product vision, it, it's not necessarily um, work on the product, but also work on the market in order for you to find this fit. Yeah. And then obviously the other question is uh, one which uh, I think Sean Ellis coined is about um, asking your, your customers if you would take away your product, uh, how, uh, how upset they would be about it. And if you have a lot of people who would be begging you to bring it back, then probably it means that you do have product market fit, at least for that subset of customers. And probably that's the subset of customers that you should be focusing on. That absolutely makes sense. And you sort of answered my second question there as well, which is what are some of the key identifiers that you don't have good product market fit? Obviously, as you say, if you're asking yourself if you do, you probably don't. Um, but what are some of the sort of more specific ways? Maybe you have some examples to use from your experience. Yeah, so 
Um, I think the, the number one thing, which I think is important when talking also about product market fit is that um, people are really thinking of this in terms of big companies and when and how did they reach product market fit. But almost by definition, when you're still trying to find that product market fit, you're quite at the beginning for that company or for that new project or product. And that most of the times means that you don't have a lot of people testing you all the time. You don't have big budgets to to, um, to try out various things because you're, you're in the beginning. And also, uh, as maybe you haven't reached product market fit, it's also harder for you to raise money. So most mm-hmm. of the times it's like a bootstrap type of uh, environment or limited some seed money uh, funding type of environment. So because of that, you won't have a ton of data points. So you mm. cannot really look at this at um, from a high level where, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at a mixed panel type of uh, dashboard and I can really see here something because you won't have a lot of users using you. But And, and also because of that, it's even more important to, to look at the almost anecdotes to really try to get um, um, in calls with your customers um, either that they are customer discovery calls because you're quite early on, or maybe they're sales calls because you now already have something that you want to, 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 to sell or customer support calls because people started using your, your product. And then it's really important to listen intentively for all of the feedback. Mm. And also, especially once you have a, a few more uh, users that you can get feedback, feedback from, it's really important not to to act upon all of that feedback, which might be a bit uh, of a uh, strange thing to say. But um, how I look at feedback is uh, as a data point. So each time I hear something, I really like file it. Sometimes in my mind, sometimes uh, we track them in various um, systems, but it's only when either I see a pattern that emerges or it fits a vision that I have. Um, Because there's also that famous uh, Henry Ford quote where if he would have asked his customers uh, what they wanted, they would have said they want a faster horse. Um, And obviously, sometimes a founder um, needs to take a leap of faith into building that product that he or she really thinks that should be a part of this world. So it's almost impossible to get sometimes that type of feedback from your customers. Mm. So That's why... I really treat all of the feedback as data points. And then either when I see a pattern emerge, I really uh, pay attention. Or if I feel it goes in the direction of something new that we're trying to build or some new product that we're trying to to build. And also what's important is not to just look at the surface, not look at the solution that your customer is proposing because Mm. Customers, lots of times when they have a problem, they're already thinking about the solution, but maybe not, that's not the best solution that there, that there is out there or the best one that's a fit for your co- company. So really try to, to think beyond that as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Sort of um, the customer may not always be right, but all, all customer feedback is important in some way, as you say, to sort of store it away, find those patterns, figure out where you need to sort of have a look and, and look for improvements. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and also on this note, it's also really important because we talked about product market fit and how it's how important it is to look at both the product and the market. It's really important then to see who gave you that feedback and mm-hmm. if they are a part of your market or not. Because if they're not, it's just um, noise, let's say. So you would be building something for somebody that basically won't become your customer anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah. That absolutely makes sense. As you say, if they're not who you're, if they're not part of your product market fit, if they're, and they're not who you're trying to sort of build this product for, then it's sort of a detraction really away from your goals. Yeah, exactly. Makes sense. Um, and you mentioned um, sort of briefly there about budget. Um, so that sort of moves on quite nicely to our next point, which is how do you determine once you've identified those issues and where you need to focus, how do you determine where you need to spend your money to deliver value to your customers? Yeah, so basically, when it comes to spending money, um, especially in this SaaS world, it goes in more or less two directions. One is the product and really investing in the product. And then the other one is in the marketing part. And I think to if you can do it, you should do both of them in parallel, even from the beginning, especially from the beginning, uh, as, even before you have product market fit. Um, because again, Talking about product market, we're talking about the two sides, the product and the market. So starting with marketing, even before you have a very clear idea of what you want to do, but maybe you still have an idea about the general problem or the general audience that you're trying to target, starting that marketing um, early on will really bring a lot of uh, benefits uh, to you by the time that you will want to um, to launch what you, what you are building. Mm. Um, and then basically... In that way, you are able to create an audience and you are able to, to uh, use that audience also to beta test your product or to get feedback on your product and so on. Um, and obviously, especially nowadays, especially in SaaS, a lot of people are focused on uh, product-led marketing, which just means just build a good product <laughs> and make sure that it also has um, maybe some uh, ways for, for people to promote your product by using it. Mm. Um, and this depends from product to product what that can mean. And then I think it's really up to um, each specific scenario and uh, up to the, the founders may, maybe to, to discuss how and where they can invest. And most of the times, um, if they have resources in terms of um, human capital, which are the, the most important resources, they're not really interchangeable because most of the times a developer cannot do marketing and the other way around. Um, so you also have to think about that from the early days, especially when you're still assembling your founding team for you to have both uh, people on the product side, but also on the marketing side. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense to have that, as you say, that, that real balance there because they're both equally important. Um, so obviously we've sort of taken you back a couple of questions here. Um, so obviously feedback is really important um, into getting that that right fit. So what are some of the best ways to get feedback on your product? I know you mentioned a few there. And um, once you have that feedback, how do you sort of act on it? So what role does the sort of experimentation in, in implementing that, that feedback have in achieving product market fit? Mm-hmm. I think it also depends on the stage that you're in. So when we first started, uh, so Social Bean now is a, a well-rounded social media management platform, and we also offer uh, concierge marketing services uh, uh, on top of that. Um, but when we first started, version one was actually a, a concierge MVP type of solution, where basically we had a hacked together version of some uh, Google Sheets and Zapier integrations and posting through uh, through other third-party tools and things like that. So our first version was not something that you can just put on a website and people would self-serve and, and use it. Mm. But we turned that disadvantage into, into an advantage by asking people to basically request an invite 
and for them to have to uh, jump on a call um, with me at that time uh, before jumping into the product. And that way we were able to, to showcase also the value, but also get a lot of the uh, feedback really hands-on in mm. video uh, or in a call, which is the best type of feedback that you can get outside of in-person feedback. Um, and we can really see how people are using it, what, what are the questions about the product, what, how are they defining that problem? Because um, this, uh, this feedback call, uh, this customer development calls are also quite crucial for the marketing part to really be able to use the exact language and, and words that your customers mm -hmm. are using to describe uh, your problem. Yeah. Um, and that was quite important in the, in the early days. Um, since, since then, uh, obviously, I, we, we don't do these type of mandatory calls anymore, even though we do offer uh, uh, demos. And this is where it's important for whoever is doing those demos to be aware that it's not their job only to sell, but also to gather feedback, both on, on new features, but also on improving uh, existing features. Mm. And also what we've been trying to do is to really be open um, and um, to to ask people to communicate with us. So also in our uh, automated emails, we are always like asking people uh, about their feedback. Um, if they if they uh, have any questions, they know how to reach us. Um, so we're, we're really encouraging that uh, that communication with them, both in our emails, also in, in the chat and so on. And then again, especially as you grow, and it's not only the founder or the founders who um, to read these emails or these chats, it's really important to create a, a culture where uh, that type of information will, will be fed back to the product team and to mm. the funding team as well. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's You can collect as much feedback as you can, but if it doesn't go anywhere, then really what value does it have to you? Um, yeah, so I think at this point, you've sort of gone, run through... How do you achieve product market fit? What what can you look out for? How do you how do you get that feedback? How do you know when you have achieved it? And at what point should you sort of start to say we've really sort of found our place here? We need to start growing and scaling. I think especially uh, in the early days, and as a, especially as a founder or of somebody who's really involved in there, um, you will have a good or you should have a good feel about this because. You, you, you're starting to feel that each time when you're talking with a customer or, or a potential customer, it's easier for you to make the sale. Uh, you see that uh, people who, who signed up a few months ago are still with you and they continue to, to use your product. Um, you might even have some metrics that you're actually tracking. Like in our case, we don't really care for people to log into our product on a daily basis, not even on a weekly basis, because our whole premise is that our product can help you set it and forget it. So you can spend a bit of time and then maybe even go out, uh, in there once a month. So that's why it's really important to, to look at the metrics that you're tracking so that they make sense for your specific um, uh, use case. But as I said, you will somehow or you should somehow feel when you have that product market fit. And if you're still asking yourself if you have it, probably you don't, um, unless you're like very cautious about things in general. Yeah. But if you want to go in a more like scientific approach, let's say so, um, again, it's it's important to automate things as much as possible. So if you have a, an email marketing uh, funnel, then basically once somebody started your trial or uh, started using your, your product or actually ideally became a customer, maybe 30 days later, you just send them a, a survey asking them um, either an MPS type of question, uh, how likely would they be to uh, to recommend you, which mm -hmm. 
I think is more important once you're a bit later down the line yeah. or more in the lines of, okay, if this product would go away, how upset would would you be uh, about it? And then really start to track those, uh, those those numbers. But at the end of the day, I think if you are really involved in your, in, in your product, you will feel it. Uh, you will see that it's not so much about keep improving the product. People, people are starting to use it and you can still, of course, uh, work on the UX and maybe adding new functionality, but the core uh, value proposition is already there and people are using it on a consistent basis or as, as, as often as you want them to use it. Absolutely. And if you're sort of that close to the product, then as you say, it'll, it'll be something that you you already have eyes on. Um, so you sort of touched on it a little bit towards the end there. Um, if you, once you start scaling and you start sort of adding new features, um, sort of trying to fulfill sort of more needs from the customer, how do you do that without losing your product market fit and becoming sort of too broad? I think it's not only about becoming too broad, but it's also about... Um, overwhelming your, your customers with more and more features that maybe mm. they don't need or they, they, they don't care about. So uh, what we do, we also have a public roadmap where um, at least the higher level uh, tasks that we are planning to work on, they're publicly available there so people can uh, upvote on them, they can comment um, uh, and so on. From time to time in our regular newsletters, we do ask people, um, what would you want us to work on next? Uh, so basically, that way um, you will really know uh, what's what are the next features that you should be working on, and not only add more functionality for the sake of functionality. Mm. Um, and you then need to also make sure that you still have your um, um, eye on you still you still talk with customers quite often to really get feedback also on the UI and UX and the missing functionality. Um, Sometimes maybe you will have a feature implemented, but your customers won't know about it. So this means that you uh, probably need to, uh, if it's important to put it more front and center, or even the flip side, you maybe have a functionality which is really um, used just by a small subset of your customers. And you might want to even drop that altogether, or you might want to uh, make it a bit secondary. So it's more as an advanced type of uh, functionality rather than everybody um, gets to see it all the time. Yeah, And then obviously, again, if you are really close to the product, you will feel this type of, uh, of, of uh, situations and you will be able to know that, okay, maybe you, you went too far uh, in one direction or another. Because I think it's really hard to lose that product market fit once you have it, mm. unless you really go into strange directions in such a way that you alter your product and not just add upon it. I yeah. think adding more features which don't make sense can make things more confusing, um, but ideally that should not lead to a point where you're actually losing that product market fit. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. And um, yeah, I think it's, um, it, as you mentioned there, it can sort of be about trying to keep the sort of feedback relevant, but also just trying to present it in a relevant way. So as you say, there may be a feature that is only used by a certain number of people. It doesn't mean it shouldn't be there uh, or that you've made a mistake. It just means you need to position it in just the right way. Exactly. And it's also important to see who are those people who are using it, because even though they might be a, a small uh, minority or a minority of people, um, 
maybe they are the ones who are um, the early adapters or the influencers who are then influencing a lot of other uh, people. So you might still want to build um, an advanced functionality for a subset of your, your users, not because you know that you will get more of those users or not because you know that um, you will have a lot of other people uh, using the functionality, but because you want to make sure that those type of users uh, stick with you uh, mm -hmm. So then they can keep promoting you uh, because coming back to the um, product-led uh, marketing part, it's really important uh, to, to make sure that you have a good experience, especially for those type of users that are more on the early adopter side uh, that then uh, will go out and um, advertise your product and talk about your product with their friends and with, with their uh, other um, colleagues in the same market, more or less. Absolutely. Those ambassadors are so key, aren't they? Exactly. Perfect. So um, going back sort of inwards then away from customers back into the into the business, which departments do you think are the most crucial in driving product market fit? I think that's why it's really important to have a culture of understanding the customer and really having the customer front and center mm. uh, to, to make sure that everybody who touches the customer uh, one way or another, so support, um, even marketing yeah, and, and product and so on. So everybody really knows how to listen for this type of feedback. And at least um, they don't necessarily have to act upon it, but when they, they see some interesting or new type of feedback to, to send it uh, to the product team. Um, and of course, the product team is the one who is um, in the end of the day responsible for uh, defining the product, defining the product strategy, the roadmap, and then implementing it. But it really needs input and it really needs help from more or less the whole company. Now, you will probably have um, other uh, aspects like uh, recruiting or HR, which are not so closely linked to the product. They should still know your product because they should know uh, what they're recruiting for, um, but um, they won't be customer facing. So they won't get that type of, uh, of um, feedback directly from the customers. But everybody else who, who deals with customers uh, marketing, uh, social media nowadays is used a lot also to um, to communicate one-on-one -on -one communication also mm -hmm. with your customers via messages or mentions and so on. So even uh, that that part or that person or that department should know that, okay, when I'm hearing about a new um, request or, or a feature that uh, our customers want, I should definitely feed it back to the product team. That absolutely makes sense sort of having a, a customer centric business across every department um you sort of mentioned it a little bit there um that maybe hr personnel might not be sort of directly involved in that but they definitely need to know what to look for so what would you look for in sort of hiring people who are, are going to contribute to that who are going to help you achieve that product market fit i think it's important to to get people that are a good fit for your your culture in general um and that in, in my view, like you have to have uh, three things. Um, you have uh, to have your people to to be basically smart because yeah, you want them to learn um, whatever is needed and to learn fast because especially this uh, SaaS world and the marketing world is changing so quickly mm -hmm. that whatever skills you come in with might not be even relevant in, in a few months or years from now. Um, then they need to have high energy. Um, because you need, there's a lot of work to be done. There's always more work to be done than time, uh, especially in the startup uh, world and, and in this SaaS world. And then third, they need to have integrity uh, because you need to be able to trust them 
uh, and then for you to know that they are uh, going to work in the best interest of your company. So this will mean that they will um, feedback that, that that they are smart enough to recognize an important feedback. Mm -hmm. They are hardworking enough to to take the extra time maybe to ask that that potential customer for more details and then to send it back to the product team. And then uh, you can trust them that they they will do that um, as needed. And besides that, the, the specific skills, I think it also depends on, on your specific business and also on your budgets, because let's also be honest, like, especially before product market fit, startups don't have a lot of budget to work mm -hmm. with. So most of the times it's, it's usually the founders, maybe they get some first uh, early hires, um, where most of the times you won't be able to, to hire that very experienced CMO or that very experienced uh, other senior developers or, or, or things like that. So uh, especially because of that, you need, I think, to have these three uh, aspects to to the people that you're trying to recruit. Absolutely makes sense. And I think we've sort of covered quite a lot there for some really good sort of actionable insights that people can take away to make sure that they're achieving their product market fit and exactly how to do that. So my final question for you is what are some of the biggest mistakes you've come across when companies are establishing their product market fit? I think one of the mistakes that not necessarily not directly leading to product market fit, but um, but still uh, in, in this area. One of the mistakes that we did is that we didn't do what we talked about uh, a few minutes ago, meaning to work on the product and on the marketing at mm -hmm. the same time. Um, when we first started out, we did uh, some marketing, uh, enough to get us some people to use the product and to get some buzz. And then we focused too much on the product before we started actually doing some real marketing uh, again which mm -hmm. just meant that we, we spent uh, a lot of time and we wasted a lot of time uh, in which we could have get, gotten our product in front of even more users and to get the whole marketing ball rolling. Because especially like with paid marketing, yes, you, you turn on the ads, something's happened, you stop the ads, the whole, uh, that, that whole funnel gets dried up. But with things like content marketing, which most of the SaaS are doing or definitely should be doing nowadays, these are things that really take months uh, or maybe sometimes even years of, of work to, to really get that uh, marketing ball rolling and to really um, make Google see that you are an authority on a specific topic, on the topic that uh, your, your SaaS is about. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I definitely think that it's, it's really important to, to work on the two uh, from the beginning. And this is one mistakes, mistake that we definitely did, and I see a lot of SaaS uh, providers doing. Um, and on the other hand, another um, major mistake that I see, um, and especially for first-time founders, is they, and especially if they're engineers, is that they over-engineer their product. They right. really don't think of that MVP as really a minimum viable product. They right. always think that, okay, I need to have that functionality and the other functionality and the other um, and maybe they are looking at some other uh, more established um, competitors in their space and they're thinking, oh, they have so much. I also have to have that uh, and that functionality and the other. Um, while actually most of the times it's it's better, first of all, to really launch as early as possible to get real feedback. And then you might still have an internal trail board or an internal board where you keep all of these features mm -hmm. um, and you document them very high level and you know what your internal roadmap looks like. But once you will get um, your startup out there in the market and to get real feedback from real customers, that feedback will actually uh, dictate your prior priorities. 
and you will be able to see that maybe some functionality that you thought was key um, is not the, not something that the customers ask for. And if that's the case, you really have to ask yourself if it's a faster uh, horse type of problem, meaning that they don't ask for it because they don't even think that's an option or because they actually don't need it. And there's another way to solve that, that problem, or maybe it's not even a problem altogether. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. Well, thank you so much. I think we've sort of covered everything there, but um, do you have any any final words for our listeners before we sign off? Yes. Um, before Social B, we actually started another product. It was called Nugget and it was uh, uh, an app from uh, that brought quotes from business and personal development books. And um, with that product, we never got to product market fit. Uh, it would have been quite hard for us to turn that into a business because uh, actually, that was a, a vitamin and not a painkiller. And your product should ideally be um, a painkiller. So mm-hmm. looking back, should we have started a nugget uh, because it ended in, as a more or less failure? Um, the, the answer would have been no. But if we would have not started nugget, we would have not been able to then see this other problem that we discovered yeah. and to pivot into, into social B. So that's why, um, and I'm advising all sorts of startups uh, from time to time. And even if I think that their idea is, I, I don't think it will work. First of all, just because I think it won't work, it doesn't mean it won't. Uh, but then also, it doesn't mean that by taking the first steps on, a, on the wrong road, it mm-hmm. won't mean that you might find at one point another road which will take you to, to a new product or to pivot your product or to pivot your market uh, and then uh, get you to success. So that's why I think it's very important to just start and, and keep, keep at it. Um, because at the end of the day, um, most of the products out there that we see, uh, they are no way, no, way, no way close to how they looked uh, uh, like when they started. So just, just start and then um, keep working at it. Absolutely. And I, I like that idea that sort of there's there's definitely some value in failure, even if it ends up in sort of not where you expected it to. You can always learn something from it. Um, so sure. it's a really good, a good um, bit of advice to end on. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.